0: It is always about me. So, so we, uh, we're a family. We're at Vineyard Church Dungannon. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, we have a celebration this week, um, as we all affectionately know her as Auntie Carlin. Auntie Carlin is here, but she is, has a new title from this week onward. She's no longer Auntie Carlin, but she's Granny Carlin. <laughs> And I just see her as everybody's granny. <laughs> Did you? Isn't that lovely? So, guys, um, hey, just as we're settling in, we're going to be turning to Scripture in, in uh, just a moment or two. We're going to be turning to Luke chapter 22, verse 7 to 30. I actually got new Bibles this week um, for you, so if anybody need a Bible, just run up the front, or somebody come up the front, put your hand up if you need one, and grab one, and I'll do a quick recap of what we're doing here at Vineyard Church St. We're in a series called, uh, we're selling Bibles, no, they're absolutely free, and if you don't have one, please, in all seriousness, take one home with you, if you don't have one at home also. So we're in a series called The Table. And basically, what we're talking about, if you haven't been with us, if this is your first Sunday with us, just visiting or checking us out, we're in a series called The Table, and basically it's about eating and drinking. What's not to like about that? And so my job over the last three or four weeks is to get you to eat and drink. It's hard as it sounds, but not just with yourself, with your friends, with your families, with your neighbors. And uh, this is the practice that Jesus taught us. Jesus was the son of man. He came to seek and save that which is lost. This is what the scripture tells us. That was his purpose. And then there's a method in the book of Mark. It tells us that Jesus came eating and drinking, If you want to find out how you engage with humanity, he came, and this was his method. He wasn't a salesman. He didn't try and sell Jesus himself. He didn't try and sell God, to follow to people. He wasn't like a double-glazed salesman or anything, got there, pushy. He actually invited people to the table. That was his way. It was his method to usher in the kingdom of heaven. I think it's a fantastic method. And us being Irish, then we should know that, hey, that's one that we have really down their tea. We can, we can really down to a tea. Okay. And so the penny will drop as you leave. And so, um, yeah, we, we were ahead of the game, I'd like to think. So it's a good practice, but it is totally biblical, totally scriptural, and it is something that Jesus has taught us. So I'm hoping that you've been inspired, hoping that you're engaged in the conversation. But more than that, I hope that it's just not information, but it's something that's forming you and that you're inviting people to eat and you're inviting your neighbors out and, and all that there. Uh, I love the, the subliminal messages uh, that's happening here On, on as you speak. If, if you want to get far in life, I'd encourage you to come and speak to me if you want to speak here on Sunday morning, because this is how it's been working for the last two weeks. We've started this series, and I've been out eating four times <laughs> in other people's homes, and it's absolutely brilliant. And I've been telling Micah about it, and Micah says, could you not like, say words like Star Wars or <laughs> stuff they got there and then pass the stuff on to me, Dad? I said, that's totally unbiblical, Micah. So it's, it's raining today. I didn't get out of my Fespa, my scooter. I'm just putting the thoughts in there. It's just a similar... Okay, okay, okay. How many of you thought the vineyard was packed this morning? Yeah. <laughs> the rest of you have little faith. Uh, I must say, my attitude sucked this morning. You know, it was lashing in rain and rain, and I went and got bread for the table, and Micah pushed the chair down and squashed my nice chabat of bread. And yes, you did. Yes, you did. And so I walked from the car park up, and I'm looking at all these cars, and I'm not really praying for the people in them. I'm sort of thinking, no, I'm not going to say it. But I was looking at their tires <laughs> and imagining... So There's a big good crack when they come back. They're not like this. Anyway, it wasn't me. If it did happen, it has nothing to do with me. I'm just putting that out there. And uh, so, what I want to encourage you to do is go back to our conversations. These are crucial conversations we're having as a church family. Uh, kind of a new journey for us, with the Lord's breathing over us and the, the whole idea of hospitality. I think He's raising it uh, in His church, not just here in Dungana, but right throughout the world. He's God. Just loves to. To uh, be gentle with his church, and and he is bringing us back to biblical uh, practices, and this is a brilliant practice. So, if you've not caught up with them, can I urge you just to find some space this time to listen to the talks? If you have a smartphone or your um, near a computer at all this week at home, not during your work hours, if, you're, uh, if you've got any time at all, just, just go to our website. If you're not sure what the website is, just ask Google. Google works on behalf of Vineyard Church, Dungannon. Just say, hey, Google, find me Vineyard Church, Dungannon. Up pops the website, and you'll see most of our pages have a listen to or no talks on there. So I'd encourage you to listen to the last, particularly the last three talks. So what we're going to do this morning, just to start off, saying it's bank holiday weekend, we're going to ease you in fairly easy, we're going to imagine, and we're going to remember. Are you up for that? So this is what I want you to do. I want you to think of a moment when you had such a good, fun evening, a brilliant evening, a memorial evening, something that just strikes in your memory, It comes up time and time again, when you were around a table with friends, all right? So I want you to think about that moment, the crack, the laughter, the belly laughs you were hoping they would stop telling the stories because you were just so much, it went from pleasure to pain as you laughed. One of those moments, is anybody can you, can, maybe it's just, it shouldn't take too long. Can you imagine one of those moments? Have you ever experienced Christian, have you Christian brother and sister, have you ever had a moment where you laughed so much it hurt? Yeah. It's totally okay, it's okay to do that. Don't feel any guilt at all about that. It's totally biblical to laugh. Has that happened? Yeah. Well, I mean, one of my moments growing up, I had, um, I had a great childhood. Um, great teen years. Uh, and most of it was actually, if I think back and it, most of it's centered around community. You see, I was never in the house. I ate there, but then I would just be out all the time with my friends. Uh, we had a walking group. We used to walk around house in the States in uh, Stoke City. So it was a, it was a sort of Fitness modern walking group without the granola or the Birkenstocks or anything I got there. And so, but one of the things I remember, now I'm not, I'm not uh, emphasizing this for you to do. I'm not uh, calling the church to do this, especially at your age and stage teenagers. But one of the great memories I had was on a Thursday night when I first got a first-time job in, um, in retail. Well, you got paid on a Thursday. Do you remember you got paid on a Thursday and you got the wee brown envelope and it was just like, yes. Thursdays were the best day of the week. So you got your wee brown envelope and you got your check and uh, we would go to upstairs, downstairs. And uh, it was a pub in there. And what we would do is we would gather on a Friday night. I used to love it. No, Thursday night. We'd gather around this table and I can remember it well. It was a circular table, right? So it wasn't so much about drinking alcohol or anything out there, but it was all about conversation. And we changed the world in those days. In fact, That's probably what's wrong with the world today is that we've stopped meeting together on a Thursday night. We would have solved lots of problems politically, uh, all all problems in the world. We used to just solve everything in those evenings. And we would talk about politics because we were children of the 70s. And we would talk about music because there was great music in those days, wasn't there? We had the undertones from Stroke City, right? Who doesn't like the undertones? It's a, it's, not, it's a question. Who doesn't like the undertones? Because this is your last Sunday here. <laughs> Everybody loves the undertones, and we would talk about Echo and the Bunny Men and, and all those sorts of great, great, great bands, right? Yeah? Don't you don't know who they are? Okay. Well ask your husband, because he'll know all those bands, because he's like sixties, right? And he'll 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 keep you up to date with all that stuff. So but it would just happen. We would It would be around this table, and the table was circular, and we had fun. And the meal was always the same meal every Thursday night. It was chips, peas, and curry sauce. And if you could afford it, things got a bit wild up our way. They started adding onion into the menu and charging you probably an hour 20p. Those were the days. I remember probably growing up. Again, I had a great childhood. Uh, Sometimes I forget that we have to be intentional about uh, relationship and hospitality. Because I grew up in a great family and I'm part of a great church that's very hospitable. And sometimes we forget that not everybody receives that grace or experiences those moments. And so I remember growing up and we would have, our house was an open house. We would have people stay. And uh, we would have people from, even as a kid, I used to be excited. Because there would be languages in the house or accents in the house languages in the house there were accents in our house from time to time american accents right and different people from over the world would come and stay with us and uh, and i just loved the moments where you got to sneak ground and stay up a wee bit later and you got to sit around the table and in the conversations and those conversations were jesus conversations and i loved them the excitement of talking about miracles and jesus and jesus turning lives and hearts around. And then what would sometimes happen in our house, which is a really precious, miraculous moment, is some people would give their yes to Jesus Christ in the living room. And so we had great times growing up. It mightn't have been around the table all the time. It might have just, I ended up sitting on a rug in the living room, round tea and, and uh, cheese. Do you remember you got the crackers and cheese and the tomato? Those were the days the French, French fancies. Do you remember French fancies? Google it if you don't know anything about it. It was a beautiful experience, and that was my experience growing up. Conversation around the best years, probably, of growing up. So what I've discovered, and you're thinking, you're a wee bit slow on it, Jason. But we're happy around the table with food. That's my great conclusion. We're happy around the table with food and friends. And it's the same the world over, isn't it? Like you take right across the world, right? I've not traveled too far. Uh, But but I've been to India during festival times, and everything is centered around food and the table. So many cultures, regardless of their belief system, their political system, or anything else, it's probably because we're all made in the image of Father God, and we're wired for relationship, and that's the way that God has intended it to be. All around the world, regardless of the festival, regardless of anything else, we have this one commonality, is that all around the world, when it comes to celebration, when it comes to festival time, when it comes to doing life together, it's around the table, it's around family, it's around friends, and the best thing of all, it's about food. Who doesn't love that? I like fasting, let me just say. No, I don't like fasting. I do fast from time to time, but I love feasting. Both are biblical. And if you're voting for one or the other, I always vote for festival and feasting. We're happy and the world engages around the table. And I was thinking then, so therefore we're talking about this thing about being an apprentice. What, is it, what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus Christ? It's so mixed up in our, in our modern 21st century world. When we try to describe a disciple or somebody says, will you disciple me? What does that look like well we have a simple analogy here or definition should say of what a disciple and apprentice looks like here in vineyard church in Ghana totally biblical it's the way that Jesus who was a rabbi in the first century taught his followers how to become apprentices and disciples and the way he did it is that he got them to be with him you be with him it's the first and most important thing you hang out with your rabbi constantly that's why they left their nets and followed him. The difference between Jesus and other rabbis of that time was most people applied to a rabbi to become their follower. Jesus called people, and he's still calling you and I today, and that's a grace thing. Regardless of our social, political, economic background, Jesus calls all of humanity to come, be with him, and follow him. And the other thing is that we, not just, we just don't want to hang out with him. We want to actually become like him. All right, is that a given that you want to become like Jesus? Uh, The more I'm with Jesus, the more I discover there's a huge gap between me and him. Sometimes I just don't line up to how he is and the way that he would like me to be. I don't know about you, but when I get close to him, it's not like it's a, it's a harsh thing, but I'm just it's an awareness thing when I'm around the scriptures, when I'm with him in prayer, when I'm with him in, with people in community. I discover that sometimes I need to be a little more like Jesus, especially when it's raining. You're looking for a car park space and you're walking through all these loads of cars in the wet and you discover your attitude's not great. You need to spend a little more time with Jesus. And like I said, week three, and I know this is a long introduction, but it will help. The goal of an apprentice is never for more information. It's not to have the certificate at the end or have somebody's signature. The goal of any apprentice, regardless of the trade, whether it's a mechanic or an engineer or whatever your apprenticeship is, the goal of an apprentice at the end of the day is to what? To actually practice, to do, to become the person that you trained and, and read and, 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 the, and studied about all that stuff comes together in actually doing something. Otherwise, it's just information. And I've discovered something that sometimes we want the church to do discipleship in a way where it's all information. And I quite like that because it gets me off the responsibility of actually loving my neighbor as myself. It's way easier to get information rather than to be formed to be like Jesus and do what Jesus does. I don't know about you, but information is a big difference from doing what he actually does. And what we're actually called to do. So I'm thinking around a practice today that has got weird. And we've got many notions on it. We've got many ideas on it. But it is totally biblical. And it's called the table. And when I call it the table, you're thinking communion. Some of you are thinking the Lord's table. Some of you are thinking breaking of bread. Some of you are thinking Eucharist. Some of you are maybe thinking Last Supper. There's all sorts of names for it. And today, we're going to look into those names. So today is a bit of a word study. Would you like that? So open up your knave's topical Bible. Find the word Lord's Table. Have you all got your knave's topical Bible? Your unger's Bible and your handbag, bag, manbag. bag? No? Well, let me help you along. You're in good company this morning. I'm here. So turn with me to Luke 22, 70, 30. And here's the thing. So I'm talking about apprentice. All that to say this. Is there a practice that we are with Jesus and becoming like him? that's centered around food, eating, and drinking. And this is it. This is it. This is the practice that's centered around being with Jesus, and actually more than being with Jesus, or not more than that, actually, as well as being in community together, and also eating and drinking. So let's turn to the ancient scriptures. Tell me when you're there. You've got your smartphone, you've got a tablet, you've got a, one of these paper books. Called Bible or Scripture, then then turn to that. If you're looking for it, it's page eight seven nine. In this one, (laughs) let's read together. Now the feast. Let me let me let me actually let me switch on to verse seven. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, "Go and make preparation for us to eat the Passover." Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. And he replied, as you enter a city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asked where well, there's the guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He'll show you a large upper room, all furnished, make preparations there. Jesus has it all of. I used to think this was some sort of mystical prophetic thing, but I just think Jesus had a conversation, set the whole thing up of the day before. Anyway, nothing to do with the story. They left and they found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. Verse 14. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and he said, take this, And divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He's talking about the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The son of man will go as that has been decreed. But woe to that man who betrays me, who betrays him. This is just bad timing. This is their attitude. And they began to question among themselves which it might be and who would do this. Also dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Bad timing, boys. Bad timing indeed. And Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who exercised authority over them, call themselves benefactors. But you're not to be like them or like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who's at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You're those who have stood by me in my trials. I love this part. Listen to this. And I confer on you a kingdom. Isn't that beautiful? Just as my father conferred on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, sit on my thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. It's absolutely true, and it's given to us in love. We could take a lot out of that text this morning. We could be here for weeks, months if we just tore it apart. But we're, I want to just go around one, one verse or one, one text in verse 19. It said, He took a bread, he gave thanks and he broke it, and he gave it to them, and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. I just want to take that one phrase just for a moment or two, and then try and weave it in and out. All the different names that there is for communion, for for feasting, for gathering around the Lord's table. This word, do in remembrance of me. Do this. Do this. Do this in remembrance of me. This this first part, do this, isn't just about a nip and a sip, a cracker, and a, and, a, and a small, small, small drink. It's actually more than that. It's actually life around the table. Jesus describing to his followers, he's, 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 he's demonstrating it in a tangible way, in a normal way, in, in a relevant way, in, a, in a just a normal, not extraordinary, but very ordinary way, how we gather around the presence of Jesus. We do it with each other, around the table with food and with drinking, you might say, oh, wow, Jesus, there's nothing, there's nothing deep about that. But how often do we actually do that intentionally? How, how often do we get together with people, break bread and drink wine, and remember Jesus and actually be present with people as well as him? The second thing is this thing of do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. And that's more than thinking of an event that, took, that happened in the past. When you remember that, when I, when I grew up, I used, we used to hear this text every Sunday around the breaking of bread, we called it. I used to love the breaking of bread. I grew up in an apostolic church, Pentecostal type church, and uh, was, communion was great, or breaking of bread, as we called it. And what I would do is, one, we, we were in a porta cabin in Derry, it's where we met, and what I would do is, I knew every Sunday, straight after the, the service that after we did the breaking of bread, that they would throw the crackers, the wasted crackers, out of this wee exit door of the porter cabin. So once church was over every Sunday, I would skittle over a few fences, over a few barbed wires, and round the back of the porter cabin, knowing that this is sad, isn't it? But I really got excited about it. So they would open up the door and they would throw the crackers out, and I would pick them all up in the grass and eat them. <laughs> That's how poor we were. <laughs> huh. Anyway. So I always thought it was just just remembering of the past of Jesus. But let's change the word, because the biblical word, actually the scriptural word, is not just remembering something in the past, but it's actually about awareness. And an awareness is a whole different thing. For us as followers of Jesus, as disciples, apprentices, I want you to get this into your thinking, that this is about awareness. We're aware not just of the sacrificial death that that he brings to us, and we do remember that. We remember his death and his resurrection, the life that that brings, that our sins are forgiven. We call on the name of Jesus, we shall be saved. That's a beautiful, beautiful grace thing, and it's a miraculous thing that we must never, ever underestimate or never, ever forget. But it's more than just remembering his death and his resurrection. It's also remembering his words when he lived among the earth. It's also remembering how he modeled life to us. It's remembering the things that he did and and the words that he said and just the life that he demonstrated. That includes the words and works of Jesus Christ. That includes, includes the ushering in of the kingdom of heaven and seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. That is what we are to be aware of, not just his death and his resurrection, but also the life and life of Jesus Christ, what it means to us today. It's also that it's not just an awareness of Jesus in the past, but it's every time we gather around the table or in community, we're just one-on-one with Jesus, which is, well, we'll talk about that in a bit. There's a disconnect there. When we gather around the table, there's an awareness that he's in the moment, that he's here. See, sometimes we get this weird uh, just thinking that when we come around the table to celebrate and to remember Christ, all of his life and awareness, there's this thing in us that we, we try to remember, and it's just, if it's, we just, we, we're killing him all over again. And, And it's all about this death. But you've got to remember that he's alive and well and he's in the present. That during this moment, we can celebrate knowing that he's here, that he rose from the dead, that he's still changing lives today, that people are lying in beds today. And they have no clue all over the world that today could be their day. Today could be their miracle. Tomorrow could be. This week coming in, it's the week that they're going to meet with Jesus. It's a beautiful thing, right? He's alive and he's well. And we remember, we have this awareness that Christ is with us. And then there's this other remembering that we need to do, which is this awareness that we need to think about. It's not just past, it's not just present, but it's also future. That's why John writes in the book of of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ, he talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. And don't you love the whole theme of Jesus? He has to be Irish. He's got to be Irish. I don't care what anybody says. I'm making it up and I'm writing a book about it. Jesus was Irish. What does he talk about in the future? He's talking about food again. Feeding, celebration around the marriage Supper of the Lamb. And can you imagine that? That's not just a small table, but I want... This is where my mind was going this week, okay? So you can judge me if you want, or prescribe a prescription for me, those who are of medical profession, if you want. But here was my thinking on that. You can't just see a long table or a circular table. But can you imagine looking at that table? And I, I tried it. Mark Cullen Orson. Come in, Orson. I tried thinking about what would that look like. And so I looked for a moment, and i just seen a table that has no end with tribes and cultures and race and male and female. And I could see, and and I started getting carried away, as I do sometimes get carried away. It's hard to imagine that I would get carried away. But what I would do in that moment is, I saw my friends in India. I saw people in villages sitting at this table and people that you've invested in that you'll never see maybe here on this earth, but in the marriage feast of the Lamb, there's this huge, huge table. I don't think it's real. I think it's metaphorically, but I'm okay with that in this moment. That we just see, I want us to imagine an unending table of every tribe and every tongue. And the loudest of all is us. We are the party people, right? Party Central. <laughs> you are. Tell yourself that. <laughs> Convince yourself of that. I, uh, over the summer when the weather was good, I went out on a, on a motorcycle testing. And, and the guy kept telling me, he kept saying to remember, you're life-saving What's it called? Check. Yeah. And basically what it is, it's like, don't forget to look over your shoulder before you make a turn. And so he's not actually telling you to think about the past, right? He, work, work with me on this. Come with me on this journey of chasing words. <laughs> It'll mess your head, but it's good. It's good when we get there in the end. And so he, t- he told me, always remember your life, saving check. Always remember your life, saving check. And what he's saying is, in the present, check. Remember because you may not have a future. And so in that moment, what we do as it is around the table is we bring the past into the present and we also bring the future into the now. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And that's what it's like with Jesus when we're around the table that we just don't think about this marriage supper of the Lamb, but we're actually thinking about the presence of the future that we can tangentially engage in with now. We taste the future. This is getting really weird for some of you. We taste the future age where we find peace. We don't find, we do awe experience peace on this earth to its fulfillment but we will someday but we can taste a future age we can receive healing today because the kingdom of god has come the kingdom of god is coming when there'll be no more death sorrow or pain does that make sense okay let's move on so we're taking hold of those names so what i want to talk about is very quickly we are going to do a word search word study if you like because when it comes to communion it just gets weird just i've had some weird questions over the years when do we do it? How do we do it? One guy came to me when we were upstairs. One time, he doesn't come here anymore, probably because of the question. He was very nervous that someone would get AIDS taking communion, because in those days we just had one cup. And I had to say to him, funny enough, I never thought about it, which you didn't. And so we got we got all sorts of weird questions and weird notions, but let's get biblical. Let's get totally biblical. Let's get ourselves around the scriptures, because... This is a practice that's good for the church. This is a practice that's good for your soul. This is a practice that helps us to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and be with other people too, and do what he did. Are you up for that? So here's the first word. Communion. Have you heard of that? Okay. No rhetorical questions from here on in. Real questions. So communion. And that's the Greek word koinia. And it just means community. Koinonia, Community. Sounds sort of the same, doesn't it? That's how I go. The signs, you can see with the word derives from, koinia, community. It means fellowship, right? Fellowship, well, there's this weird connotations around fellowship when you come talk about church in Northern Ireland, don't you? It's like I discovered it in other denominations when they talked about fellowship. It was weird. They used to make tea with the milk and the tea. Have you ever had it? And then they come along. It's a true story. They come along, You say, with or Without. And I'm like, with or without what? <laughs> is that, Huh? A sugar, is that with it? To this day, I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> so, I am probably was a gambling man. I just always said without. And it worked for me. I don't take sugar. Thanks for that. Thanks. Yeah, every day is a learning day. Every day is a school day. So, it's about participation. It's about fellowship. It's about, it's about, An image of a loaf. One loaf. I love that. And from this name, this idea, this biblical name, we're to practice fellowship, participation, presence with Jesus first, with Christ. Always remembering Jesus. Let me read you this. It's up in the wall, I hope. The Lord's Table. This guy, David Fitch, wrote it in a small book. He said, The Lord's Table is about presence Surely it's about eating yeah but ultimately it's a discipline that shapes a group of people to be present to God's presence in Christ around the table here we have perhaps the single best opportunity to train ourselves to tend to his presence for our lives if we can recognize his presence at work around the table we will be able to recognize his work in our lives as well love that without such a discipline however we will always be tempted to take God's work into our own hands instead of recognizing his work submitting to it and participating in it the table it trains us to discern christ's presence in all the other places we eat during the week it's good eh just a remembering an awareness jesus present with jesus so it's it's presence it's fellowship it's participation with jesus being present with him. but it's also and this is the thing that we miss so much in the 21st century church and this is where we're probably going to be heading as a community of faith. It's a family of God here in Vineyard Church. It's about eating with each other. It's about with Jesus. When he said, do this in remembrance, he was talking about in the context of community, around the table with food. He says, it's not only to be enjoyed in the presence of Jesus, but in the presence of each other. That's what it means. That's what communion is. And so, therefore, we need to be learning. we need to train ourselves to be present with other people. Not only do we not know, some of us, and we find it very difficult to how to know to be with Jesus. Do you find it sometimes just a discipline being with Jesus? Like you could be anywhere. You could read any magazine. You could do all sorts of things. But being with Jesus sometimes seems difficult. No? Are you just all brilliant, holy people? Like you're just with them. 20, and, and, and people are saying, to you, stop praying. You're just praying too much. Stop it. You're just reading the scriptures too much. Does anybody accuse you of that? Not me either. So we need to we need to we need to train ourselves. We need to discipline ourselves. How to be with Jesus? One of the ways that you can do that is just even even begin like an hour a week. There's a space up there called Powerhouse Prayer Room. There's actually a place there for communion first with Jesus. There, the theme is eating and drinking with Christ. We didn't intend to dove tail it to you, but it happened that way. Who knew? But come along and sit with Christ and sit in presence with Jesus. Train yourself to be present with Jesus. But do I think the other thing that we need to do in 21st century is learn to presence ourselves with other people. Let me give you something deeply spiritual and deeply practical. See, when you're around the table with other people, um, don't bring out your phone. It's that spiritual. Because let's recognise you were with. Let's be present with people as we are with be present with Jesus. So can I give you that as a top tip from your pastor this morning? Top tip this week. When you're together, if you eat together at a certain time of the day, tea time, supper time, if you're American, listening to this right across the Atlantic pond, or uh, there's, I think there's two. And so if you're eating together at a fixed time of the day, put your phone away. Don't bring it out. And don't put it on the table thinking you're really disciplined turn it upside down because it's dead easy to do that. That's what I find. Okay, another name that helps us to practice this, and this is the one I grew up with, so this is the right one. The rest of you are wrong. This is truly scriptural. This one is the only way that you can do it, because this is the way I know, right? Isn't it funny? Our belief systems are not really so much about what we actually believe, but are all about connection and emotional connection. Have you thought about that, especially living in Northern Ireland? We, I have conversations with people. I was going to say arguments, but sometimes they turn into arguments. I have conversations with people all the time, and it's not actually what they believe. It's actually how they grew up, It's a cultural moment for them. It's a connection for them. And so when we talk about baptism, people don't want to get fully immersed because it's not that they have a a biblical belief system. It's what they grew up with. They have an emotional connection with that, therefore. And therefore, their emotional connection frames how they think and how they do life together. But we need to get ourselves around a bigger emotional connection and train ourselves to be like Jesus and bring his values and influence into our family. Second tip for the day, bring Jesus' influence and values into your family the breaking of bread is the second word i love that one the breaking of bread i'll tell you why because i grew up with it no but other than that i just think it does what it says in the tent not the dollars are wrong by the way let me just frame that so in acts 2 42 you know when the church gathered together the first church can i give you a little biblical background about that do you know why they ate together in each other's homes every day why they just hung out together it wasn't that they were lazy people wasn't that they were they couldn't find jobs, it was actually they came to Passover to celebrate, so they traveled, right? And then they heard the story of Jesus, and they heard these weird guys speaking in tongues, which is totally biblical because it's in the Bible. They heard that, they say yes to following Jesus, and all of a sudden they have a decision. What do we do now? Head home or find out a little bit more. And you know what they did? They stayed. And they formed the first century church. Man, what a sacrifice for you and I who sit here in a black seat today that we're able to live with our family and friends and do community together with those that we love and like. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. Not everybody around the world gets to do church with those they love and like. Most people, not most people, a lot of people around the church are doing church in secret today, hiding under rooms and basements around the world, not necessarily with people, their family, because they can't even tell their family, or their friends, or the people that they love, or the people that they work with, because in fear of losing their life. But we have this great privilege that we get to do church with people that we love and like. Okay? So they stayed. So with that in mind, listen to these words, they devoted themselves practice they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread you see it so it's just another word just another word to describe what we're doing acts 27 on the first day of the week we came together to break bread there it is again i I just left this part in because if anybody ever complains about how long i speak just refer yourself to the ancient scriptures okay because i am biblical with the capital b (laughs) this is what it says Paul spoke to the people. And because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. So I'll just leave that there with you. But have you ever read this and wondered, is Luke talking about communion with Jesus or eating with others in community? Have you ever done that? I used to do that. What is this all about? Is this communion with Jesus or is this, are they just hanging out and having, having food together? If you're wondering what the answer to that is, if, you're, if you've ever asked that question, the question is yes, both with Jesus, and with community. You can't get away with it, away from it, nor can you get away with it. So it's, yes, bread was, bread was a staple part of the diet in those days, right? A staple part of the diet. But guess what they didn't have? I was going there, but I was taking everybody on the slow route. Fortunately, they didn't have the shopping channel. You know the Sky Shopping Channel? No. No. Uh So, uh, none of these... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? I but with the wee bits on it. Serrated. Serrated. Love that word. Serrated knives. They didn't have serrated knives. They didn't have any knives. They just had knives for sort of sticking in people, called (laughs) weapons. That was probably the only knife they had in those days, right? So, when, when Jesus got up, round the table... Modeling this as he did, he broke it, he tears it, and he gives it away. And it's it a beautiful image, a beautiful image of Jesus being broken for us, for all of humanity at the cross, and then shared out to everyone. I just love that. that this means breaking of bread that we remember that life comes from sacrifice. It's beautiful, isn't it? Life always comes from sacrifice. You even think about it. I just love the analogy of food. Like, Sorry for if there's any vegans in the room. But, but even if you are a vegan, it still applies that life comes from death. Food, an animal has to die. Or a plant, if you're vegan, has to be uprooted. Uh, and so we're constantly visually. Jesus is a very brilliant communicator, isn't he? You bring a communicator. He just uses this word all the time that, that the sacrifice, that life comes from death. Every time we're faced with food, every time we're, we're around the table, always remember sacrifice, sacrifice. You mightn't said yes to Jesus. You might be on, on a journey of figuring out who he is, but he was wonderful. And, and he's the only one that I know often without, without the history of world of religion that actually sacrificially gave himself for the ransom for all of humanity, regardless of your belief system, regardless of where you are politically or socially, socially, socially economic. Thank you, and. Uh, he, he, he didn't ask all those questions, but every other religion around the world, you've got to be part of their tribe before the God of that religion does anything for you. But the, the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ is regardless of who you are, where you are, your social economic background, your political background, Jesus gave himself for you so that you could experience a life that God intended you to have right from the beginning. He's wonderful, isn't he? And that's why the psalmist wrote, he says, taste and see that God is good. I actually think that it is what it is. Very practical. I think you can encounter Jesus and God and you can taste and see if God is good, so it's metaphorical speaking. But I also think it's just as what it is. Every time you see food, you're like, God is good. Huh? Have you ate something good this week? What did you eat this week? Tell me your best, best food this week. Bad start. Just think of the experience from there on in, just gets better, right? So it's just like taste and see, God is good, God is really good, God is really, really good <laughs> as the week goes on. As Claire's cooking. <laughs> 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 eh? <laughs> okay. Ooh. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> and so anybody else eat something beautiful this week? Huh? Did any of you eat this week? Anybody have crunchy nut cornflakes? Okay, I'm moving on because this could going to take all day. So we can taste and see that God is good. We can take that food that we eat. We can see that. And we can just experience that God is good. Okay, are you with me? Yeah. All about remembrance. Here we go. We've only six more today, so relax. Third word. I love this word. This is a word. See, I came from a non-traditional background. But when I heard this word, I thought, this is a great word. Could we use this word? Because I just like the word. It's called Eucharist. Anybody? Heard of the name Eucharist? Yeah. Anglican, Catholic background. That word is used a lot, Eucharist. But it's a beautiful word, and it's a simple word. It just means thankful. It's a cool word for thanks, being thankful. Remember, I want you to frame everything around remembrance and awareness this morning. So this word is Eucharist. It's a simple, beautiful word called thanksgiving to be thankful for. And we need to get there. We need to learn to be thankful because in the thankfulness, there's the miraculous, isn't there? Even, even in the practical, again, food, like if he's not eating, he's going somewhere to eat Jesus. And if he's not going to eat somewhere, he's coming from somewhere eating. He's just eating all the time. It's a good thing that he walked everywhere, right? I'm not going to comment any more than that. And so... He did that. And, and can you remember when he broke the, the loaves and the fish, he gave thanks, and the miraculous happened? I think that's a principle. I think there is miraculous in thanksgiving. I think when we're thankful, people will... Well, t- let me tell you, one thing will happen, a miracle will happen in your life. When you're thankful, joy, joy, joy. It's biblical, right? In all things, give thanks. That's how, that's how we rejoice, and again We rejoice. And part of that practice is Thanksgiving. You can check it in your scripture. Ask Google. So we do something in our house, which is really cringy. And it's really bad if we invite somebody from outside our small tribe, the Scott tribe, to come to one of our boys' birthday parties. Because when we have a birthday party, we do this once a year. We don't do this once a week. You'll be relieved to know. Um, We do a thing called, we just speak out whoever's birthday it is, And it's like a gratitude thing, right? As cheesy as it sounds, so... As he's hiding in his hands, I'm going to use <laughs> Matthew. He loves it. So whose birthday was last in our house? Mm-hmm. Micah's. We'll just pick on Micah. So Micah, birthday. So what we do is we have a, we have a birthday meal around the table. And then we go around the table and we say one thing that you're thankful for. For that person. Isn't that cool? Cheesy. but It's good. So we say, I'm thankful for, and we begin to prophesy. Prophesy means to edify, to encourage, and to build up. So that's what we do. We don't call we don't say, and we're all gathered around the birthday table, and all of us shall prophesy in accordance to our faith. Going anti-clockwise. We don't do that. We usually say, ma, do we have to? And that's how it starts, and then we all do it. But you can see the the people that come, it's hilarious. The people that come that are not part of our family, they're like, Oh, dear God, please don't let it be me. Please don't let it be me. But it's actually a beautiful thing. If you want to increase somebody's faith in the room, encourage them to come along to one of those prophetic, feasting, breaking of breads. Okay. That's all I want to say about that. Thankfulness changes your heart, and it helps you to find joy in your life. Changes your heart. Even just using our boys as an example. You know, for all of us to sit around the table to remember what God has put in our lives is a beautiful thing. Tip number three for parents. But you, Hey, we should do a second offering. This is really good today. You get the points and then you get all the way. Jason's nuggets of gold. Last word. Okay, I'm going to let that go. <laughs> Agape. Now, this sounds like San Francisco. This sounds like hippies, right? This is the love feast. Okay, it has nothing to do with um, San Francisco. It has nothing to do with anything weird or wonderful. It just means it's a hippie sounding way to say that a meal is a feast of celebration. A meal is a feast of celebration. Or, party. Party. It's how we party. Pretty much all cultures, again, use means to remember cultural moments. Dalliwale, in India. Passover. All sorts of, that's about as many cultural things as I know. Uh, so all over the world there's cultural moments and it's around celebration, it's around party, and it's around food. We have this thing here called Christmas. And so, pretty much all cultures, they remember culture moments. But we probably need to practice this a little bit more when it comes to this. We probably need to do that. Um, what happens is that around the Middle Ages that this name got knocked to the side. And all of a sudden, this joyous celebration occasion became something very s- somber and, and uh, sober. And, and actually, there is a time for, for, for that. There's always a time for repentance, Right? There's always a time for remembering and sorting your life out and getting right and keeping short account with Jesus and God the Father. That's why Paul, he, he writes, you see, we, we take this, the somber thing, and we make it the main, we make it the, and make it the, the front and center. Because Paul, he has a problem that he needs fixed. I don't think we need to fix it. But he has a problem where it's just a bit excess in the partying when it comes around communion. We're at the other end where we try and bump it up a little bit. But Paul has a problem, and he needs to fix it. There's too much excess at the Lord's table. There's too much happening. Do you know what's happening? They were, let me briefly give you a historical fact of what happened. When you read that scripture and people bring it out all the time, you know, don't you not drink of this meal unworthy. What that actually means is that people were coming during the day, those that didn't work, they were, they were having food, a lot of food, and then they were drinking wine, excess of wine, and they were plastered. They were plastered. And so when people came to this feast in the, and later in the afternoon, those especially who were out tradesmen and those who were out working, they would come back and guess what? It was all gone. And everybody's blocked. It wasn't a good thing. And then there's all sorts of things which we're not going to go into today, because uh, we don't need to. So he said this: everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of and drink from this bread, or eat of this bread and drink from this cup. And so our thinking and our practice, we take that to mean this sort of stuff. Let's sort our stuff out, right? But that's not what he's meaning. Because this meal, you come to party, you come to celebrate. So when we're thinking in this, and this is the practice we used, I grew up with in Pentecostal times. And the, so that meant that that moment you leave the black chair, Tony. Tony's got sin in his heart. It's not a prophetic word, Tony. It's just, just, just using you as an example. Tony's fell out with Brian Cummins at the front. He owes him a fiver and Tony's not seen it since a fortnight. And it's, Tony comes and he says, Oh no, they're doing communion today. I'm not going to be able to take it unless I say sorry to God for having a bad attitude towards Brian. So t- Tony does a quick prayer, walks up the front takes communion, which we may think is totally right. But, but this is not the practice. What we need to do, this is, this is what Paul's thinking. He says, This is what Paul is saying. Let me tell you what Paul is saying. Sort your stuff out during the week. So it's not a short walk from here to there. It's actually, this is when you come in those doors that you're ready to worship, you're coming worshiping, that you're ready to celebrate God's goodness in your life. So during the week, guys, if you find yourself gossiping, if you find yourself irritated, if you find yourself thinking that uh, you'd like to push somebody's pressure and their tires down a little bit so when they come back they have a bad experience, if that has ever entered your head at all, Deal with it there and then, so that when you come to this community of faith, the family of God, that we are coming here to celebrate, to love, and to serve one another with a pure heart as much as we can to God and to gather around community. How does that sound? Everybody voting for that one? Yeah. Let's do it. Otherwise, you just feel like we're tricking you every time we put that out. Oh no, communion. Sorry. Short walk. Bang. That's not the lifestyle of the early church. It's not the lifestyle of being an apprentice of Jesus Christ. It's dealing with your stuff all the time. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's dealing with your stuff. Do it early, do it often, do it early, do it often, as Joe Macquarie talks about when it comes to football. (laughs) Say it, do it, do it early. It's a good principle in life. Keep short accounts with God. Say sorry, don't, you see, guys, there's something, it's okay to come as you are, by the way, I'm not saying that. But for those who have said yes to Jesus, and we know we have stuff in our hearts, deal with it early. Do it. Sort your stuff out. Don't, don't, don't get guilted into this. This table is not a guilt place. It's celebration and remembrance and presence and feasting. And so we need to make that our practice. We need to make that our practice. I love this from Philip Yancey. Anybody like Philip Yancey? He said, this is a different, this table is different. It isn't where sinners find Christ. Oh. But where sons and daughters celebrate being found. I love that. Maybe someday instead of solemnly making our way to the table or the tables, we should dance for joy. Maybe we should sing every born-again song we know. (laughs) Maybe we should tell our homecoming stories and laugh like people who no longer fear death. Maybe we should ask if anyone wants seconds and hold our little cups high (laughs) to toast lost sinners found and dead brothers and sisters alive. Wow. Wow. It's beautiful, isn't it? This table is different. This table is different. Last one. Then we're going to do it. The Lord's Supper. First Corinthians 11, 20 to 22. I'll go quickly on this one. So then when you come together, is it not the Lord's Supper you eat? For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Different communion. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Paul's being sarcastic, by the way. If you want to find out what happens after that, he doesn't actually praise them. He gives them a, a telling off. You can read that. Certainly not in this matter. When we come together, it's like that Acts twenty. When you come together to eat, here's the short verse. When you, when you make a covenant with God, when he's talking about being worthy or unworthy, here's my thinking. I think it's biblical. This idea is that Paul's thinking in that culture that, you know, this is not just this is not just something we breeze into. This is like it's not this this it's not about getting drunk or excess eating he's, he's actually saying when you come to remember you you do it in a manner that's worthy and here when he's talking about worthy he's talking about he's living in a covenant culture where people make confidence not just spiritual confidence with god or gods that they believed in but also with each other so when you w- when you got into a business transaction with somebody or you got into a religious contract with with god the father jehovah or maybe even a, a religious god at that time when you got into a covenant with that person you made a sacrifice of food, and then what you did to, to uh, commit to that covenant is that you ate what you sacrificed together. Uh, and I think there's something for us in this. I think that Paul's idea is commitment for you and for me to be committed to the cross and to Christ. That there's a commitment ele- element in being, a, being an apprentice, that we take up our cross, that we put our faith and life in Christ, knowing that he knows best what's for us and what's what's good for us. Does that make sense? Am I communicating okay? Yeah? That there's a commitment for us that around this table, it's a time also to commit again, to contract to to covenant relationship with God the Father. And our covenant relationship with God the Father is that we are going to follow Jesus, that we're going to give our lives to him, that we're going to become like him that we're going to do what he does and, we, and when we do that we, we discover that there's a space between how we're meant to live and how he has designed us to live and therefore we need to come again and just covenant ourselves commit ourselves together in, the, in a worthy manner it's worthy of the cross it's worthy of a table yes there's sobriety in it but there's great celebration there's great freedom in it and it's knowing that god knows best if you want to flourish in life i want to tell you the best way to flourish in life is to give your life to jesus commit to covenant relationship with jesus and live your life in a manner that's worthy of Of the calling of christ in your life and that's not about being religious people that's not about society telling you what you can do and what you can't do there may be some elements to that but that's about being a truly devoted follower of jesus christ doing the works and the words of jesus christ not what you don't do but it's what you do do that makes your life worthy of the manner of the cross of jesus christ amen let me read you one more thing john mark hicks or one more thing from a book Uh, It says, when we eat and drink, we renew our covenant with God. We pledge ourselves to keep the covenant. It is a moment of rededication and recommitment. In the context of, of the worship experience, we force our commitment to live worthy of the gospel. We vow to take up our cross, call Jesus Lord, and follow him into the world as obedient servants. The supper is the ritual moment when we renew the covenant vow we made at our baptism. That baptism is when we're baptized into the Spirit of God and into the family of God, as Corinthians talks about. 11.27 of Corinthians, First Corinthians. Let me read it to you. In an unworthy manner, so we give worth to the table. That's what you're reminded of. There's a good seriousness, there's an honor into it to the sacrifice of Jesus. And the table is a great place to commit again and again and again to following Jesus, to be called apprentices, to live that life of an apprentice and disciple. So what do we do with the information this morning? What do we do with word search, the word study, the additional biblical content from scholars and brilliant writers like Yancey? What do we do with it? What do we do with it? Well, I think what we do is that we do the main thing that we call to remembrance, that we have an awareness of what we're gathering around. The communion is being present with Jesus, but it's also more than being present with Jesus, it's also being present in community. This is not an isolation thing. This is the beautiful thing about loving God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. He actually asks us to love our neighbors as ourselves. So it's vertical and it's horizontal. That's life with God. It's always been that way. It always will be that way. So he's called us to this table, to be present with Christ, but also to be present with community. So we do that. We break bread. We have an awareness that when we break bread, that there's death being given for our life. And we don't want to squander that, people. We don't want to live unintentionally. We want to suck the morrow out of life, don't we? We want to do that. We want to live the life that God intended us to live. It's about intentionality. It's actually about practicing doing. It's about taking God's sacrifice for us and living the life that he had planned for us right from the beginning. That's the awareness of breaking bread. It's remembering that every time we tear this apart, he tore his body for all of humanity, not just for you and me, but for all of society. And again, it points me back to let's make an open house. Let's make an open door for those that don't know Jesus to come into connection and to hospitality and to celebration in our homes, wherever we live. We remember that it's the Eucharist, that it's the Thanksgiving place. Man, are we thankful. Let joy joy, joy flood our souls in an anxious world. In a world that just knows no peace. In a world that's just riveted with anxiety and depression and the medical facts speak for themselves. Depression, prescriptions speak for themselves. You want a world full with joy, then we need to learn to be people of gratitude again. To be thankful. The gap, eh, that we celebrate, eh? We celebrate all this goodness and everything else. And we also learn finally come to the Lord's Supper when we make covenant again and again. Commitment to Jesus to line our lives up with what he has called us to do and the way that he has called us to live. Are you up for that? Well, here's the big thing we need to remember is that this is not just something individual. It's also something that we do in community. So our goal, and we're going to talk a lot about this next week as we journey into something different for us as a church around communities and community. Please come next week. I urge you to come, make plans to be here next week as we're going to talk about a new direction, a good direction, a biblical direction, something that I think that you'll enjoy, that you'll grow deeper in in your relationship with Jesus. But here's where we need to go with this here thing. Of course, we do it here on a Sunday morning, but as we read the ancient scriptures, we need to leave the front, these rows, and move into circles and learn what it is to have communion with each other in our homes. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the breaking of bread. They gathered around the table in community, in homes, in streets, in upper rooms to eat together and pray together. This is not the B end of everything. This is not, this is not what it's meant to be, folks. This is, this is symbolic. This is where we get together as family and we remember and we do those things. But it's just a snapshot of what the Father had designed for us from the beginning. It's just a snapshot of how Jesus practiced the Lord's Supper. Isn't that right? Are you with me on that? I hope that you're with me. If you've got any questions, please come and see me or email me. I honestly will try and answer your questions. But as I see it through the ancient scriptures, through the eyes of the Apostle Paul, and through the practice of Jesus Christ, that this is something that we need to learn to do together in community and homes and not just here on a Sunday morning. Are you with me? This is not the primary place. It's not. It's not. It's around the table. Twelves, fours, fives, whatever. It's gathering together in your home and breaking bread and giving thanks. Do you want to practice it? Let's do it. Let's stand.